0: You know, one of the things, I just want to make a couple comments before we start. One of the things that um, certainly uh, comes to mind on what we called last week casual Sunday is there's always an attitude that being casual means that we are lazy or you don't care, right? Right? So that's not the emphasis, that's not the thought process when you're thinking of casual, right? That should not be part of our thinking. Casual just means we're just relaxed, but we are still focused on God's word. God's word is precious and important no matter what Sunday we're doing from a, from a, a perspective of, of today and having early service and having a picnic. I'm looking forward to that. I enjoy when I'm working at home, um, I can wear my Garfield slippers if I'd like. And when I have a, uh, a, a call where it, if it may be a, just the a head and above, all I got to do is put something on the top. It's great. So I uh, very much enjoy that. But you know, as, as we get back to just talking about God's Word, what's the last time you heard a message that was f- focused on Psalm 119? as I was preparing for this, I thought to myself, I do not recall the last time someone specifically preached on Psalm 119. What happens? Something everybody knows about, right? We're, we know Psalm 119 what it's about. So sometimes there's passages we think we're just way too comfortable with, we're too, sometimes even casual about, so we don't talk about it. So as I was As I was praying and considering what the Lord would have for me to to share with you this morning, this this psalm came front and center to me. And as I prepared it, the challenges that I faced in my own life were quite apparent as you go through this and see what the psalmist said here in this passage. Unbelievable what goes on. And uh, as you can see, I've got some Some technology working up here. So really wanted to help you think about some some thoughts from Psalm 119. So Jonathan's helping me back there. And so uh, um, we are hopefully going to be on the same page. So next slide. A couple of things of Psalm 119. You probably are aware of many of these things. Maybe you're not. There's 22 stanzas in Psalm 119. There's eight verses in each stanza. Interesting thing about each each stanza within each stanza, each verse starts with the same Hebrew letter. Twenty-two stanzas. There's twenty-two Hebrew letters. And then it occurs, and it occurs in um, excuse me. It occurs exactly according to the uh, the, the Hebrew alphabet. And so very intriguing. And so sometimes if you're thinking of poetry, now, I'm not great at poetry. I tried my hand in, high school, excuse me, in college to woo my wife, and fortunately she did not use that as a means to choose me. And I'm thankful for that. However, just to, just, to, just to think about using the same stanza or the same verse in each stanza with that same Hebrew letter was a challenge and doing it 22 times, times eight, right? So 176 verses in Psalm 119. This person either had a lot of free time on their hands or really thought clearly about God's word and how important God's word was to the author here. There's, if you look at the next next slide, there's eight different terms for God's word that's used in Psalm 176. We'll get to six of those in just the first eight (coughs) verses. And of the 176 verses, and some people use it in different ways just because of one of the words that's being used, but of the 176 verses, only seven verses don't contain an explicit mention of God's word. Now sometimes it says your ways, which is not an explicit word for We're talking about mention of God's word. And the other interesting part that makes it a challenge, maybe that's why a lot of times uh, preachers don't don't preach on Psalm 119 is because there's no outline. And people don't like no outline sometimes. So you can be challenged to do this whole psalm. So the outline or actually, I I think the next one, just looking at some of the terms, sorry, looking at some of the terms that are in here, we find these terms in the first eight verses. And I wanted to kind of walk through a couple of these things just as a setup of what are we talking about. They're used interchangeably. However, they are different Hebrew words. I kind of put up those Hebrew words, but it's not not a, a, uh, a lesson in languages this morning. It's a lesson in the words. That are being used here. So, law is being used, the first one that's mentioned. It really talks about the teachings. You got testimonies, which talks about permanent, unequivocal equivocal facts. And these are all in light of God. Precepts are mandates. Statutes are rules to be strictly obeyed. Commandments are clear cut directives. And then finally, judgments, which we see actually coming in verse 8, are what is right by God's standard and its general sense that last word just means whatever is being deemed as right or wrong in a court of law but in light of scripture here it's talking about what is right by God's standards so with that in mind let's let's take a look at just kind of a a quick outline of verses one through eight. yes there's no outline in general but here's some of the topics that are being talked about in, um, in verses 1 through 8. So there's some general comments that talk about the person who's blessed. And I want to walk through that with you. And then there's really what I saw was a personal prayer that the psalmist put together in verses 4 through 8. And a challenge in his own walk. And a desire. Some implications in that prayer. There's, there's um, a desire that goes on, some results and some action. And it's, it's exactly what we need. So there's decisions that need to be made. There's a desire that happens in our heart. There's an emotional aspect of every message that goes on as we look at God's Word. But it only only can God's Word become effective in our life if we take action. As I've always mentioned, there's one of three things that you can do, right? You can continue to do what you're doing, which is still an action. You can stop doing something or start doing. Start to do something new that needs to be changed in your life. So let's get into this passage now. Starting in verse 1, if you look at verses 1 through 3, the first thing we're going to notice about the blessed person is that his way is blameless. Now, let's just take a look at that word blessed. You hear that often, right? I am blessed. And what do they mean by that? Well, I've got a lot of kids, some people may think that means, right? Some people use that to say, hey, I've got a nice house, couple of cars, great vacations, I'm blessed. And they use that as a means to describe what blessed is. Now, you may have your definition of what it is, and you can use it. But what does blessed mean? In some translations, they use the word happy. Happy. I still don't think the word happy is enough to what we're talking about from a blessed standpoint. So a person is blessed as someone who has a deep-seated joy and contentment with God. Do you have that today? I'm going to ask you a lot of questions for you to ponder upon today because these are the same questions I had to ponder upon myself in studying through this passage. Do you have a deep-seated joy and contentment with God today? Or is there something in your life that's missing? Or there's struggles, there's challenges going in your walk? Do you have that in your life today? For the believer, it also refers to redemptive favor, right? We are blessed because we are children of God. He has redeemed us from the pits of hell into a everlasting life that that is with him, glorifying him, honoring him, and serving him each and every day. Turn to we'll we'll be doing a lot in the Psalms because it speaks to itself. Uh, Psalm 1 should be very familiar with this, verses 1 to 2. Hope you have your Bibles today to follow through. These are very, very important verses. Verse, Psalm 1, verses 1 to 2. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Pay attention here. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. This afternoon we're going to talk a little bit about meditation in the biblical sense. Not the yoga type of meditation, but in the biblical sense, meditating. Turn over to to Psalm 112. First verse. Psalm 112, verse 1. Praise the Lord, how blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his... What does it say? Commandments. Again, God's Word. We talked about the different meanings of God's Word that is just filtered throughout the Psalms. Last one in this point, Psalm 128. Verse 1. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. And we're going to talk about that word, ways. And what that means and the implication of that to us. So first of all, the person's way is blameless. Blameless, this is in verse 1, literally means entire or whole. In the context, it means undefiled, faultless, or upright in conduct before God. Think of it in the Old Testament sacrificial system. They had to bring a sacrifice that was what? Blameless, without spot, there was nothing that you could find that was not good about that sacrifice. And that is the way we are to present ourselves before God. So, how blessed is the person whose way is blameless? And what is way here? Way here talks about our walk, our pathway. And one of the implications is, as we go through this this passage, is that our way is God's way. Or in another sense, God's way is our way. Those are interchangeable because we have a blameless walk before God. So again, I ask you today, how is your way? Is it blameless or is it not? Each day, Pastor Dan and I have used this, I've appreciated so much this thought from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that we're supposed to present our bodies daily sacrifice to God, renewing our minds each and every day. Are you doing that each and every day when you wake up? Are you renewing your mind and saying, I am going to be a blameless, sacrificial offering, in essence, to God? Because that's what he asks us to do. But but that person is a blessed person, content, joy is there, fellowship with God, with one another. When you are in that position, isn't it great? Isn't it wonderful? Nothing that comes your way will challenge you. I mean in the sense that you're not going to be broken because you're in that position, and it's a great position to be in. I won't have you turn to all these, but Genesis 6-9, Noah was blameless. It was said he was blameless. He, and following it, says the qualification was he walked with God. Genesis 17 1, Abraham was told to walk before God and be blameless. Deuteronomy 18:13, the Israelites were commanded to be blameless before God. Turn back to Psalm 18, verse 23. Here's a claim that David makes. Psalm 18 23. I was also blameless with him, and I kept myself from my iniquity." And you think in there that word, my, is subtle, right? He says, I kept myself from my iniquity. It's interesting to think. He just doesn't say, I kept myself from iniquity. David says, I kept myself from my iniquity. He recognized that iniquity was part of his DNA in essence. In order to be blameless, he need to be kept from his own iniquity. A challenge for us, right? Next. If we go back to Psalm 119, How blessed is those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. So a couple of words just for us to understand the word walk. Figuratively applied to the characteristics of one's lifestyle. So the blessed one's lifestyle is characterized by the law of God. What's interesting, again, if you go back to this, is the first one we talked about, the law of God. A lot of times it was applied to the Pentateuch, right? The first five books of the Old Testament. Now, I think in the context here, we, 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 we don't need to apply it that way. It's much broader than that. And it talks about the teachings. Is our life characterized by the teachings of God? It means we're going to obey those, no matter what the consequences may be. Psalm 18, verse 13. talks about the Israelites and what was God's desire for them. Psalm 18, verse 3, we read, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Don't think that's the right verse. Am I reading? Oh, I read verse 3. That's why. <laughs> Sorry about that. Psalm 18, verse 13, the Lord also thundered in the heavens and, no, that's not right either. That's somewhere in here. That's God's desire was for Israel. And that's like Don this morning when Sunday school, we were were being challenged, right, Don? So are not I. We all are. God's desire was for Israel to walk in his way. Turn, Turn to Psalm 128, verse 1. Throughout Scripture, the desire, God's desire is for us to walk in his ways. We said this already. We, we, we use this. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Turn to Ezekiel 18. One verse outside of the Psalms I just want to share with you. Ezekiel 18 verse 9. In the context, it's talking about a righteous man in verse 5, but if a righteous man, a man is righteous and practices justice and righteousness, and it continues on and brings this list of the things that are the ways of God, according to the law of the Lord. It says in verse 9, if he walks in my statutes and my ordinances so as to deal faithfully, he is righteous and will surely live, declares the Lord. If we aren't living righteously, I always say this to to, to people. If we aren't living righteously and the Holy Spirit is not active in our lives, whether we're saved or not, excuse the colloquialism, but all bets are off. There are no guarantees in life outside of death and taxes, as they said way back when. But death, right? There are no guarantees. Walking with the Lord has many guarantees for us. So we are to walk in the law of the Lord. That's the blessed person. His characteristics, walks in the, in, the, in the law of the Lord. Verse 2, how blessed are those who observe his testimonies. Now observe here is a Hebrew word that has the basic idea of guarding or protecting, maintaining. It's interesting in in the dictionary, and the one I have is the Thorndike Barnhart, don't have the Webster's uh, specifically, but defines "observe" this way, to examine carefully, watch, study, to follow in practice, keep, to show regard for or celebrate even. So when we observe his testimonies, we are guarding and protecting those because they are of God. Turn to Psalm 25, verse 10. Then we're just going to go back and just look at a number of verses that are specifically within 119. Psalm 25:10. All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Are you observing God's testimonies today? Are you guarding them? Are you protecting them? Are you celebrating them in your walk and in your life today? We get very set back, right? Last week, um, Don shared uh, with us on worship, right? And the excitement of worship. There's a time, right, to sit back and be pensive and contemplate our walk with God. And there are times during a worship session where we just get very excited about what it is to obey God's word. It's not difficult. It's not cumbersome, as they say. Yes, there's challenges in that, but what is the end game? It's eternal life. It's life with God. It's, it's, It's pleasure, it's worshiping. We don't have to be challenged by what goes on in the world. Back in Psalm 119, look at verse 56. What does the psalmist write? This has become mine. This has become mine, that I observe your precepts. That's our challenge. Is it yours to observe his precepts? Or do you do it when it's convenient? Observing is the whole counsel of God. So often when you become believers, you're you're thrown into a lot of times, okay, now that you're a believer, here's the handbook of do's and don'ts. Does that not happen? And now you're set up with the do's and don'ts, which sometimes can be folks' opinions. But when you make God's precepts, yours, and you observe those, it is easy. You don't even have to have the do's and don'ts because God's word will clearly show you how you must act and respond. The same moment, we know there's challenges with that too, right? As Paul clearly said, the things that I know I should do, I find that I don't do those, and the things that I no, I should not do. I find a hard time and I seem to do those. That happens. When we make God's word our ours and we observe his precepts, those aren't as challenging. Verse 69. The arrogant have forged a lie against me. With all my heart, I will observe your precepts. So in times of challenges... The willingness is there for the psalmist to observe the precepts. So when, times are when challenging times are out there, are you still have the joy and the willingness for the precepts, to observe God's precepts. Verse 100. I understand more than the aged because I have observed your precepts. You want to become smart, you want to have knowledge, you want to have wisdom, know God's word. Simple as that. Verse 115, depart from me evildoers that I may observe the commandments of my God. Verse 129, your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul observes them. And finally, verse 145, I cried with all my heart, answer me, O Lord, I will observe your statutes. So the question you asked during the the day, during life, will will you observe God's statutes? Next, the blessed seeks God with all his heart. Back to Psalm 119, end of verse 2. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. Seeking here talks about following for pursuit or search. So the idea is that there's an active aspect here, right? We are out there seeking. One of the things that Now, I grew up in a, uh, uh, when I was younger, not until 13, did, did our family in various aspects come to know Christ as Savior. And before that, I was not seeking after God, had no inclination, no desire to know God's word. And then still went to public school and was challenged there because there were very few, if any, outside of our family that really desired to know God's Word. And so when I got to college, my thought completely was, I want to go to Christian college because I want to meet Christian people, and most of all, I wanted to find a Christian wife. And I was focusing on that, right? That was one of my items on my checklist that I had. Find a wife, then if studies work out after that, we'll we'll take care of that. No, but finding a wife. So, I, so I, I, I did what I could to do that. And there were certain aspects, certainly characteristics of that. But I did, and I didn't give up. There were times where I, I probably felt like I sh- should give up because of maybe challenges that were going on. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to focus. I'm going to pursue that. And then when I met Pauline, I said, all right. Think I found it. Let me pursue. And continue on with that. And then, when we both decided, yeah, that was part of the Lord's will, said, all right, check that off. Let's pursue the other stuff that needs to go on. But, yeah, simple illustration. But when you pursue, you continue on. And, and understanding God's word and knowing God's word is a lifetime pursuit. It doesn't stop. And you can't quit. And you've got to keep moving on. And it's with all our hearts, right? What is the heart? So often you hear the illustration, right? Heart knowledge versus head knowledge, and use the illustration. I, I, I have to break, sorry, I have to break that illustration for you because it's not accurate. The heart that the scripture talks about is not the beating thing in here, right? Actually, your heart is your sea of emotions that's really up here. It's part of your brain, it's part of your mind. So when people talk about head knowledge and heart knowledge, And they point to these things. You could say, I don't know, maybe head knowledge, heart knowledge, somewhere in the brain where that piece is. But the heart is the seat of emotions, right? It's our emotion, our intellect, and our will that needs to be involved. So all aspects of our body needs to be part of this, seeking after God. Not just intellectually, right? All right, I'm going to study God's word. I'm going to gain what I can and get the logic behind it so I can be able to respond to people. Or there's people who I've seen in some churches who, who seem to come up front uh, during altar calls when, when they're happening, and they, they're coming up crying every Sunday. Well, they haven't put their whole heart into observing and obeying God's word. It's not all there. It's only partly there. Have you given up your emotion, your intellect, and your will over to God? All the aspects. I'm willing to do whatever God tells me to do. I'm going to respond to God in an emotion of worship. And intellectual, I will understand that God's word is the foundation of my thinking. That's seeking God with all your heart. Look at verse 10 in Psalm 119. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Verse 34. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Verse 58. I sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. Verse 69. The arrogant have forged a lie against me. With all my heart, I will observe your precepts. And then verse 145. I think we were going through some that were the same as we used before. 145. I cry with all my heart. Answer me, O Lord, and I will observe your statutes. So the question today is, are you following God with all your heart? Are you seeking Him with all your heart? That person is blessed who is doing those things. Next, they also do no unrighteousness. Again, very simple here. Unrighteousness is talking about perverseness, wickedness, dishonesty, wrong, iniquity. I know we have an inclination in our own fallen nature for us to have a a gravitation because of our flesh to sin. But is that a habit of yours? Is that something that continually you have a challenge with in your life? Turn to 1 John chapter 3, a couple verses from the New Testament here, 1 John chapter 3. And verse 9, I think this is important for us to grasp. No one who is, who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him. His I means God's seed abides in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. You will not, as David said, keep me from my iniquity. As you are a child of God, The Holy Spirit within you will continually challenge you about your sin. And if you are here today and you aren't challenged by your sin, you need to seriously take a look at your walk before God. Chapter 5 of 1 John, 1 John, verse 18. We know that no one who is born of God sins. Or again, I think in the the context, if you look at it, practices sin, but he who is born of God keeps him and the evil one does not touch him. So the one who's blessed is the one who does no unrighteousness. Next one, the person who's blessed walks in God's ways. Again, this is one of those words that I was saying that people can use it as designating God's word, but it's really a characteristic of God. Do we have God's characteristics? It's our way of life, our actions, our behavior. Uh, Psalm 119:105. 105, you should be very familiar, you should probably, you probably quote this. One of the songs this morning we sung had this as the key theme of the song. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word shows us what our way ought to be. So the only way we're gonna be walking in God's way is to know his word. So challenge again, how much time are you spending in God's word? We're all challenged by that. If I have a heart to follow God, his path becomes my path. So now we've got, in essence, the characteristics. So the psalmist describes who this person is, who's characterized by being blessed. Then we talk about the prayer in verse 4. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. We see here that, that, that the psalmist recognize that as part of our life as a believer, in this case it was as, as an Israelite, that they were ordained to keep God's precepts, not just to keep them, but to keep them diligently. And that word ordained here actually has, in essence, it's God giving a verbal command to obey his word. It has the idea of a superior relaying orders to a subordinate. These are commands that have been ordained from eternity past. And our desire in here should be that we should have a diligence about keeping God's command. What's interesting is that this is also a law term which talks about diligence by giving attention and care due from a person. It's almost like keeping a contract. We are doing whatever we can. One of the things that, that I'm responsible for work is, is ensuring that the, the agreements we have with our clients, that we are in compliance, what we've promised we would do for them. And so by having that contract front and center on my computer so I can have access anytime time to it is part of the diligence of ensuring that I'm keeping that contract. So the diligence in keeping that contract is what? What's the contract that we have? It's God's Word. So we've got to have that front and center in order for us to comply with God's Word in keeping His commandments. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Verse 5. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Next slide, dear Jonathan. Here it is. It's almost like, uh, uh, almost as if the psalmist is giving a revelation here. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. It is a prayer that the psalmist is saying that I want to keep your statutes. Oh, that it may be a part of my life that I keep your statutes. And this is the foundation for verses 6, 7, and 8, for having the desire to keep his statutes. We get to verse 6. Then and only then I shall not be ashamed. When I look upon all your commandments, what is the assumption here? You're not ashamed. Why? Because you are keeping all the commandments. The word ashamed here talks about confusion or embarrassment, dismay when things do not turn out as expected, and there's an utter defeat that is part of the mood here. When you don't follow God's word, are you ashamed? Are you embarrassed? Or are you not? That'll show within your life that you have a love and a desire to keep and to know God's word. These are challenges for us, right? Challenges in our own walk. They shall not be ashamed. The desire is that the right living has occurred so that when the psalmist is looking into God's word, there's no shame there, right? No shame because the psalmist is keeping God's commands. Turn to, look at verse 80 of Psalm 119. May my heart be blameless in your statutes, so that I will not be ashamed." Are you focusing on God's word? So finally, we have some action that takes place. Starting in verse 7, we have some action. So again, the establishment here is from verse 5, that my ways have been established to keep your statutes. Why? So that I will not be ashamed. And then it says in verse 7, some action, I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart. Are you giving thanks to God this morning? When you came here, did you say, I'm so thankful to be here. I'm so thankful for God's word that we can open up this morning and be challenged by. I'm so thankful that God's word helps me each day. I'm so thankful for your love for me. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart." Why, why, how, how can you give it with up, uprightness of heart? It's again because your ways have been established to keep his statutes. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. It's interesting that word learn has a two-pronged understanding here. The word learn here talks about both learning and teaching what has been learned. So it's an idea of of, not only to practice but to be taught. So when I learn and practice what has been taught, that's the idea. I have learned and practiced and I am also going to take that to others. It's interesting. So in in Hebrew, this word learn has both the idea of learning and and teaching, whereas in Greek you have to have, they have separate words to do this. So sometimes it's very difficult to be able to actually explain this verse in the Hebrew. However, it says, when I learn your righteous judgments, when I learn those, I understand those, I've been taught those, and I'm also actively teaching others those same things. So the psalmists give thanks with an upright heart because of the learning, God's judgments. There's a reliance on God. Verse 8, I shall keep your statutes. So at the end, here's the proclamation, right? I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. Now, I, th- I don't believe that the psalmist is simply saying, hey, I'm going to keep your statutes, so please don't forsake me utterly. He's simply saying, listen, my reliance is completely on you. I understand that you're not going to forsake me utterly because I have a reliance upon you. That's your promise, that you're not going to do that for me. And we need to grasp those promises within us that we can rely upon God in order to be able to keep his word. And lastly, what are some implications from this? And you can call them applications. I call them implications because I don't know your heart today. I don't know what you need in order to change today, because you may not have the love for God's word. You're not keeping His word. You're not you're not being ordered by His word. You don't love His precepts. So here are some challenges for us, and we ask the question. So we need a hunger and a thirst for God's Word. Do you have that today? As the heart or the deer pants for the water brooks, does your heart pant for God's Word? Do you have a hunger and thirst for God's Word? We need to be studying God's Word. We can be challenged by that, right? Studying God's Word. With technology today, you can, you can, you've got uh, the, the uh, I actually on my on my, Uh, iPad here, I actually have the MacArthur's daily readings. So it's very easy just to go through some of those things, right? But are you studying it? Or are you just going through the motions? All right, got the day done, on to the next thing. Are you studying God's Word? We need to be obeying God's Word. There's implications from God's Word. Are we obeying it? What is it for today in your Word that I need to change? Or do I keep doing what I'm doing? Obedience doesn't always mean changing. It's just be continue what you're doing. We need to love God's word. Do we, do we hide God's winner heart so that we don't sin against him? Do we have a love for his word? And then finally, we need to recognize our reliance on God to keep his word. The psalmist clearly recognized that without God's help, he wasn't going to do these things. Without God's help, we are challenged to do these things. You know in your own walk those things that are challenging for us. So where, where does God's word stand in, in, your, in your life today? How important is it? As the psalmist said, did his, his desire was that, that his ways would be established to keep God's word where are you today where am I today how are we challenged by God's word to keep his word this is the only means by which we have we have a potential for success in this world today is by obeying his word and living his word I'm going to ask before we pray Chris if we can sing speak O Lord as the closing and I want you to to I want maybe with this one of the verses we just have the, the instruments play and we ponder upon the words I don't know if you looked at those words this morning those are powerful words that were up there think about those things and ask God how he would have you to change today let's pray Lord your word is powerful Thank you for the emphasis we had just on your word, the songs, the, the, the responsive reading, the, the meditative verse, and the challenge for us to have such a love for your word. Lord, I, I know that even in my own walk, uh, there are challenges, and I pray that you would help me each and every day to renew my mind and present my body to you every day for your service to bring honor and glory to your name. Thank you for all that you've done for us, and our desire is to seek to bring honor and glory to your name. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Let's see if we can get those words up on the screen there. What I'd like to do is just have the instruments play through, and if you guys could just toggle through verse one as they're playing. And then we're going to sing the third verse to close the service out. So as the instruments play, you can just play through and then we'll, we'll sing verse through.